What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is myself and my former co-host from high school radio, Jake Goldberg, previewing and giving picks for week one of the NFL. We also look at the week ahead in college football, as well as the Stanley Cup Conference Finals. We are a game behind, but we break it all down for you. The Game 1s, Game 2 of the Western Conference Final finished up as we were recording, so we took a look at that as well. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Bullpen Card, Thunder BLG, on Twitter, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram, and join the Bullpen Card Podcast group on Facebook. That's where you can be a part of the conversation. But again, enjoy this week's episode, guys. Let us know what you think in the comments. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast here on the Bullpen Card Podcast. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, and joining me is a very special guest. He is the co-host of the two-time Best Late Show award-winning radio show at Berkshire School, JJ of JJ and the G-Man Rockin' the Night, Jake Goldberg. How are you, my friend? I am happy to be here. I am doing well, G-Man. It's been a long time coming. Glad to get the team back reunited and see if we win ourselves another award here. I hope so, too. For those that don't know, (laughs) Jake and I host a show in high school. It was the best. We got awarded for it. I am so excited to have you on. This has been twice. We won twice. You're right. This is three and a half years in the making since the podcast started to bring Jake on. We almost had Greg, but he's at his in-law's house. His roommate's house, excuse me. His roommate's parents' house. Jake, I don't know if you know this, but he refers to his his roommate. It's just, Greg has a roommate. Doesn't you know? That's what he ta- that's how he refers to it. But I'm excited to have you on. Originally, I was just gonna do you as the guest picker, and then Matty D had to drop out. He has a lot of fantasy football drafts this week. Labor Day threw a lot of wrenches into into the machine. So here we are. It's it's a reunion of JJ and the G Man rocking the night. And we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Football's back in a big way, or kind of a big way. College football's kind of back. We got the, I don't want to say lesser conferences, but the, you know, non, non-household non names starting this past weekend. We got the ACC starting up. We obviously got you as the guest picker. We're going to do that for the NFL. For those that don't know what that is, stay in tune, and we will tell you how that works. To the rest of the NFL, the FedEx Cup ended new season starting up this weekend but we're going to talk about the previous finish with dustin johnson then all the hockey talk greg as he said was in mourning bruins lost the flyers lost which jake and i can talk about then maybe a little baseball at the end jake does that sound like a good rundown to you that sounds like a good rundown to me awesome i i'm all in love it i love it well like i mentioned college football was kind of back on labor day weekend normally the big start we get Five days, basically, Thursday through Monday of college football. And we got a number of days, but we only got nine FBS games. And, Jake, were you watching the college football this past week? 
Of course. Of course. Um, well, what was on, for yes. those of you who don't know, I am in Canada, meaning there's no CFL on, which means there's a, not much football on. Uh, I watched yesterday BYU kick the uh, the crap out of Navy. Yes. And I, I was following the Army game pretty intensely, had to stream uh, illegally, sadly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for, for any football. Um I could watch. So it's not, might not be BAM LSU right now or Penn state sadly, uh, but I I'll watch anything. Yeah. I had some of it on and it was, uh, it was something, you know, I, I normally, I actually, none of these teams are in the Mac, but normally like of random college football in the FBS, we'll watch Mac football, watch Wednesday night, whatever, whatever the hell is on. Um, and yeah. this, you know, it was nice to have a little bit more of a, of an idea on, these Sunbelt teams, some AAC teams, Memphis got involved in the action. Uh, you mentioned Navy getting the absolute shit kicked out of them. Army, SMU playing the uh, TMU, I mean, Texas State. Well, Friday Night, Re- Friday Night Lights reference. Jesus, can I can talk tonight. But, yeah, I mean, a number of these games were they were fun, high scoring, over Central, which you love to see. Love to see in the first couple weeks. Love it. Love and it's it. not like you mentioned; it's not any any high name teams. Uh, and I guess before we really go into the the meat of this upcoming week, the ACC returning, are there any teams? You know, sometimes we see an AAC team pop out of nowhere. Any teams you think might have a shot of being a a dark horse at some? I don't even know what the hell we'd see at the end of the season, but some sort of uh, ratings darling or polls darling. It's tough to say this early. Uh, obviously, I mean, Memphis is, was a dangerous team last year. Honestly, they 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 couldn't have an easy. I've been checked out their schedule and broke it down. But you got to think, depending on how it looks, these big um, you know Power Five conference teams are going to kick the crap out of each other. Maybe there's a few three loss teams and maybe a, a one loss. Um, a one loss Memphis could get into it if there is something. Yeah. Right. We don't even know what's going to look yeah, like. Exactly. We so, don't know what's going to look like, but yeah. And then all an all conference schedule could do it. So that's a really good point to bring up. So there's barely any of out, out of conference play. Most conferences are doing it. Most one game. For instance, Miami is playing UAB and we might as well roll right into that. The ACC is back this week as is the big 12. And we're getting some, you know, some bigger names out there, which if you want to look at rankings, yeah, they're there. UNC is ranked 18th, which includes teams like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Um, You know, the SEC eventually is coming back. The Big Ten allegedly is coming back at some point. Clemson plays this weekend. They play Wake Forest. Um, But it's going to be really interesting to see what ends up happening because, like, Oklahoma, for instance, plays Missouri State, which yep. not a, a big name to be playing when any of this comes out here. So when you look at the schedule, there's obviously some ones that stick out. It's almost like, you know, like a week three or week four end of September schedule of a couple, you know, circle it for bigger name matchups, which I guess the closest one, I guess by just spread is... I guess Notre Dame Duke maybe 
It's technically Florida State, Georgia Tech, but you know, it's yeah. uh it's gonna be an interesting week. I, I think it will be. I think something that people are overlooking right now and such a huge advantage to college football is that stadium atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wild. Um the first few games that I've watched so far, and and you know, mind you, these aren't crazy fan bases that we're talking about. Um, it's eerie to watch, you know, see 10,000 people in a stadium that holds 80,000. So does, does, you know, I know Clemson is not home this week, but let's take Notre Dame, for example, is Notre Dame really going to have that big of an advantage over Duke where it's not, you know, you don't have that crowd behind you. Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause a lot of these overs that you look at are the over under line are in the fifties, which I feel like is either it's either going to be way over that number, I feel like, of like a 35-30 game or something like that, or it's going to be complete duds where there's no crowd building it up because there's so much of college football that depends on that sort of thing. Especially like at a place like Notre Dame where that stadium and that vibe around it just brings some otherworldly level of an atmosphere there. And I don't know, like, you look at a Duke, or Duke-Notre Dame, and you look at that, it's minus 19.5 for Notre Dame. They're gonna, they're supposed to win by almost three touchdowns. 53.5 is the over. You don't really know a lot about either of these teams. And that's, I don't know, it seems like something that you almost want to say, like, stay away from. Georgia Tech-Florida State is, is kind of the same way. It's a point higher on the over-under, 54.5. I know it's the cliche to say Georgia Tech triple option, you know what to think of it, but like it does not seem like something where if you're a gambler this weekend, you kind of want to take a step back and, and kind of see how this first this first full quote unquote weekend goes to really get an idea of of gambling in terms of seeing what's out there. Or honestly, you could you could look at this the other way. Right? Who Vegas doesn't have an idea what these teams look like either. So you could actually beat Vegas pretty easily if you have an inkling. Now, I don't. <laughs> Sounds like you don't. Uh, but somebody who follows a Duke, uh, Notre Dame, Iowa State, who's only 11 and a half over the uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Um Right. You, you could have that advantage. Wait until everything unfolds. I always say that about the same thing. I know I'm jumping ahead right now, but the same thing for week one of the NFL. This is when you can beat Vegas before they start really being able to, to figure out um, what rookies are going to do, what new coaches are going to do with certain teams. I'd say the same thing for college football. And this year, not enough time to prepare. They missed most of spring ball. Didn't have a great training camp. Um I just, I can't see, I can't see a lot of these teams call it living up to what they, what they're expected to do. Like somebody like Notre Dame, I I guess I would ask you, Jordy, what do you think that game is going to be like? Yeah, that's a really good question because it's, we really don't know what the hell is going to happen with this. (laughs) And you think, you don't know what to think actually, because you don't, you just don't know what they're bringing back to it. Even returning players because they've missed so much time. Notre Dame, obviously they came back, they tried to go to school and then they had all the, 
all the positive tests that came out and all this sort of stuff. So you don't even know where they're at in terms of who will know who's playing, but in terms of how much they practice, all this sort of stuff, which is why I think a 19 and a half point spread seems almost nuts not to blow any sort of college picks out of the water that we're going to, we're going to pull out and guess picks. But uh, it just seems kind of crazy that Vegas does have that confident of a spread in mind. I mean, like, Looking over at like Clemson, they they have a minus thirty two and a half, which seems nuts to actually put up on a board, which I've been known to to splurge in the plus thirties crowd. Uh, Lehigh has a great bad beat a couple years ago in, against Navy, not to brag, but I don't know. I just think I always stay away from the from the big spreads anyway, more than two touchdowns. But I think you're you have you're onto something there of. Anything that you see double digits and betting the plus to just think like using Memphis as an example, Memphis was minus 17 last week and they only won by like what? Seven points. So we really don't know. And I don't think these teams have an idea in terms of tape or what to think about in terms of defenses. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you want to, honestly, if you want to break that down and look at last week, um, I mean, yeah, there was a there was a upset on was that Friday, Thursday, I guess. Um, you know, Marshall. Hey, you just said it the other way, right? It's either going to be a way over or way under. Army was a three point favorite. They won by forty two. Marshall was a, I think they were higher. They're about a five point favorite, maybe six. They won by fifty nine. SMU was a twenty nine point favorite, and they only won by seven. So Vegas is not on right now when you look at, you know, usually look at the year and and Clemson is 24 point favorite. They, they win a game by 25 or by 24 or by 27. They're not winning game by 60 or winning by three. So I think, you know, it's, you can take a one side or the other, or you can take both of them uh, at better odds. I, I mean, just, th- sorry about that. Just throwing it out there. Um, no, even BYU is a one point favorite. No, and it's a solid, solid point. And I guess before we go into guest picks, as we're really starting to look into the uh, the odds and ends, if you will, is there anything else that you're looking out for this weekend? Anything you want to see to kind of know, I guess just to convince you otherwise of certain teams that are ranked versus aren't ranked and, and that sort of stuff? I guess I want to see what Clemson looks like. I mean, that's who I'm going to be watching on Saturday. I mean, obviously, I'll be watching everything. But I want to see, um, you know, if Trevor Lawrence, like, if he has any sort of, call it shoulder discomfort, does he sit out the rest of the year? Does he ever think about making that decision? Are they absolutely a lock to win the national championship or even get there? Um, you know, you've seen so many guys now. The number, number two prospect from, I think it was from Oregon, correct me if I'm wrong, just dropped out. Does Trevor Lawrence, you know, do they have him on a snap count when they're up by 40 points? Is he still in the game? When they're up by 20 points, is he still in the game? So at what point Clemson's going to be very interesting for me to watch. What about you? Do you have a, a game of the week that that's going to catch your eye or something you want to keep your eye on in college? No, that's a really good question. Cause I think Clemson's obviously a pretty good one. Um, I kind of want to look at Texas just because, you know, Texas is always supposed to be back. And this is this is kind of the season, right? That 
this is the joke made before the NBA and NHL came back of like if this team was going to win it would be in the COVID year it almost feels like that if Texas was going to be back in any sort of year of being COVID so that's one obviously they're playing they're only playing UTEP which I shouldn't say only but that ACC slate and seeing what's going on there I kind of want to see what Florida State's going to do against Georgia Tech because this is something that you'd think a couple years into Willie Taggart now see what they're doing and if they can really come out strong against Georgia Tech, again, kind of a similar story that if they were going to be fully back, they're only seven years removed from national title, but if they're going to be all the way back, it might be in a COVID type of environment. So see what they do there. UNC is ranked. They're playing Syracuse. Um, that might not be a game we, we can tell a lot of. No offense to Syracuse, but I don't know. That, that might be something that we're like, North Carolina only wins by seven points, and, and they drop a couple spots in a ranking, whatever we think of rankings there, and in all this different stuff, because Syracuse is a team that loves to put up points. We've seen that in the last couple of years. They did it against Clemson a couple of years ago. Last year, they were a against-the-spread darling. So I feel like that's a game that like we might think one way or the other of, of either of those squads. So Florida State is probably a team I want to – keep an eye out on because they might sneak their way into the top 25 if they start to string together a couple wins. Here's my last question for you. Okay. Just regarding college football and I'll, I'll move on. But my first, I always want to say first time caller, long time listener. Always want to say that. <laughs> Love it. Um, when Ohio state is number two in the country right now. Yeah. When are they going to be out of the number two spot? That's a really good question when, when, because it's either the the Big Ten is officially, officially back. You know, they can say all they want of that they're going to try to play whenever. But it's, until we actually see body, or not, I shouldn't say bodies in the field because that sounds much more morbid. But until we see, you know, until we see the a kickoff, you know, we don't, we're not going to get it. I don't know. It, it yeah. becomes something of if it gets to this, if it gets to October and there's nothing and in, in all this and they're officially done, then I feel like they have to not even just get removed from the two, but removed out in, in any of those big 10 squads, whether it's Ohio state, Penn state, Wisconsin, who's number 12. I mean, Oregon's number nine too. So lump them in there. Yep. When do they get USC removed out seven. of there? Yeah, USC, you're right. Um, I feel like, and I feel like the Pac-12 should already be whatever the next poll comes out. And maybe it's something that we get the Mike Wilbon, there shouldn't be a poll until October, you know, until Halloween anyway. Maybe we just don't get that. Maybe the AP doesn't, doesn't vote. And maybe that's the way that, that, you know that maybe that's the new college football norm that there's a preseason poll and then there's a teams hang out which maybe ESPN doesn't like because it it, it, it ESPN no. and CBS so that they can't because now they can't market but to answer yeah your question, they can't market this is yeah it's probably October first if they're not officially back on the board they're out they're probably off the AP poll I'm thinking. And, and this is my, my opinion would be that it would slide down, right? So okay. Iowa is number 24 and, and uh, 
Is Utah's in the pack? Yeah, the pack, tw- pack uh, twelve. Pack. Yeah, and they're t- and they're twenty two. Pack twelve. Pack Didn't 12. they change? Them? Yeah, they did. They, they had the pack ten. Yeah, All they right, were the so pack twelve when we here. were in high school and college. Now they're the pack twelve. Yeah, okay. But Memphis is so, right there. They're getting votes. Why is it not fair Memphis to Memphis to not be in the be ranked because these teams exactly. have said they're not playing? Navy is exactly. Getting votes. They're taking spots away. <laughs> yeah, Navy's getting votes. They're taking spots away, and honestly, Florida State's going to be there in a couple of weeks with their schedule. Um, I think they're going to be they're going to be sliding down. Now, I don't think the original ranking should have even included these teams. They're the second best team in the nation. They're not playing a game. No, that that's make the weird sense. thing. I mean, you and I both are frequent, frequent NCAA football players of those games, and we're waiting for the day that that video game comes back. And that's what happens. One day. One day. That's what happens, though. You miss a week, and you go down to the polls. Why isn't it happening in real life? Probably will. It Hopefully. probably will, but... You know I hate Ohio State, so you throwing all this out is just like, you're feeding my fire of hatred towards Ohio State. <laughs> that's perfect. That's why I'm here. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. Oh, God. <laughs> So I go on to the Yahoo rankings site just to look, or the rankings page. We missed, Jake, Alabama at USC this past weekend. What the fuck? Which also, I believe we had, was, did we have Florida State? There was another great game that we missed. Um, Florida State who? Who was it? It's there weird because it shows these games. Like, Michigan was supposed to play Purdue, so that must have been actually on the schedule, not the weird Big Ten schedule. Which, it's also weird because it shows the weird ranking. Like, Notre Dame, it says Notre Dame at number 40, Navy. Apparently, Navy's number 40 in the country. It was supposed to be this past weekend. Was this a part of the weird schedule that got thrown? No, no, because Georgia, Florida was supposed to be this weekend. Or Georgia, Virginia, excuse me. Um. Yeah, this is dumb. This fucking schedule on Yahoo. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but anyway, this weekend should ho- hopefully bring us some some wonder in terms of college football. But the NFL also comes back, and we go into there. We roll right into guest picks. Jake is obviously our Perfect. guest picker. We don't have Maddie D's picks. I forgot to ask him, so we'll get it and I'll tweet him out. And see what he thinks. He won't listen to this, so don't worry, Jake. He won't steal any of our picks. But Jake, he knew exactly. What I was <laughs> but Jake, the NFL is back. We have not seen anything of these teams. I had a fantasy draft tonight. I've had, a, I had one a few days ago. I have my big one with Matt in it, and as well as hopefully my work league tomorrow night. And I have no idea what to think about this because we didn't get a preseason. Not that that does anything anyway, but we barely got camp and any of this sort of stuff. So what are your thoughts coming into the NFL season and any of this sort of stuff? Well, I would say similar to college, similar to my week one strategy all the time. I think I almost always take the points. I think – the home field advantage is not where it should be. And I don't know if Vegas is taking that into effect. Um, but it's, you know, are you one of those people that believe it? I'm not sure what your 
uh, fantasy draft strategy might be. But, you know, is this a year that rookies are going to do really well because they had a ton of time to just study the playbook and that's it? They didn't have to, you know, do these rookie OTAs and things like that. Or is it going to be, I don't, you know, the rookie can't learn the, the game speed fast enough. And uh, this is the year that, you know, rookies are almost going to be useless, right? Can Joe Burrow actually get better just by watching film nonstop and not actually seeing, you know, the game speed? I think, I think Joe Burrow not having preseason is actually a big deal. So having maybe Cincinnati have a slow start, having some of these, um, these wide receivers, you know, the big, big Jerry Judy and CD lamb, hope the, the Cowboys just are terrible. Um, it's, I'm taking the points is, is what I'm saying. I don't think a lot of these new new quarterbacks, right? You have Tom Brady down in Tampa, can be that effective uh, in the opening parts of the season, right? They still you still have to get used to those guys. He was so good with Edelman. I guess he has Gronk back uh, because he you know he practiced with these guys all summer, every summer for the last what? How long has Edelman been there? Five years, six years, yeah. at least. It's going to be interesting. So would you like my – are we going over the college pick? Is that going to – Do you want to start there since we were just talking about college football? Yeah, we'll, we'll finish it off. We'll wrap up my, the college. I, I, do you want to give me your pick and then I'll, uh, I'll throw mine in there? Or you want me to come in with the guest, guest spot first? No, I'll go with mine. I um, Kind of similar to what we were just talking about. I – I'm going to take Syracuse plus 21 and a half. I just think. Oh, my God. No, oh, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I kind of gave it away. Um, Syracuse was an, against the spread darling. The one yeah. time I picked against them, it bit me pretty badly. I think I went six and one, and my one loss was Syracuse in one week. And it was stupid. Uh, it was like them on the road against Louisville. And I was like, oh, Louisville, they just had a terrible loss. Syracuse. They're supposed to be this offensive juggernaut, and they've been shitty, and I'm on the golf course. I've put in my bets. I come off the golf course to a text from our good friend Greg saying, never fucking bet against Syracuse again, <laughs> and I learned. I learned the lesson the hard way, so I'm I'm taking Syracuse with the points, so <laughs> there's my college pick. There's your college pick. Ah, oh, that was my pick, but I will, I'm going to find another one. I'm not going to double down on your pick. Because the other game that I like, and I put this in last week, and I can't walk away from it, is Miami. Uh, oh, I actually have that like four. I have that fourteen and a half. Uh, it went down oh. to fourteen. You don't love to see as a as a gambler, but I think uh, I think they are a very strong team that has. Uh, this is the team that I think could upset Clemson in the, in the ACC championship. Again, if that happens, uh, Miami's like my underdog, my sleeper pick that I think could go far. I just think the fact that the ACC has this wacky schedule bodes to a lot of different teams favors. And the fact that Miami, I don't know if it's good or bad that they're getting their out of conference game out of the way. Cause it's something where like, I, Matty D loves it, and I hate the fact that SEC teams have the shitty game in the middle of November. I think that you keep it rolling, and I think that Miami has it going early. I like what you're thinking that way. Um, 
I mentioned it. I think Florida State, if they get it going with their schedule, you mentioned it too. They might have it. That's just too – it's too shaky for me to commit as my college pick of the week. I almost like the over, but who the hell knows? Again, Georgia State, Georgia Tech runs the option, the triple option. Or Did they change – actually, scratch that, run it back. Um, yeah, it's a weird It's a weird game. The other thing that's tempting is the fact that Syracuse, North Carolina – is 63 on the over-under, so Vegas is expecting no. a ton of points. So you're telling it's me... It's moved up to 65. 65. To 65. So up. you're telling me they're going to win. 65 is minus 20. Let's even just say minus 21. 65 is 40... Is Three, 46... 22. Yeah, yeah exactly. 20, 43, 22. 40. Some stupid like that. That is redonkulous to me. I know that the... Mitchell Trubisky led North Carolina, uh, almost said Hurricanes. Tar Heels were unreal. I just think that's wild to think that they're going to win that big in week one when we don't know anything about these fucking teams. Uh, that also being said, Army minus 19. I either love it or I hate it, and I don't know what to think. I mean, they had they had a good game. They had one good game, yeah. but they it seemed like really Army... Game. Like you- we, but again, yeah. you don't know what to think about these Sun Belt teams. These Sun Belt teams that either throw up a ton of points, or they become defensive fucking juggernauts. So who knows? Oh, they were kind of both last game. <laughs> yeah, Patriot League. Woo. All right, NFL, Jake. So you went second for the the college pick. So you, that means you're going first with the NFL pick, snake draft style, meaning you go first, I get the second two. What do you got for your first pick? I will take Atlanta, one and a half. Minus one and a half. Against Seattle, okay. Against Seattle, I still think COVID, no COVID. A Pacific team coming east. Uh, We always have the advantage. I'm still a a believer in Todd Gurley. For those of you who have been in my fantasy leagues, whoever's listening. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I pick up Todd Gurley this year. And, um, yeah, there's just too many weapons on that team. They've had some, you know, they had a down year last year, and there's no reason why they cannot beat uh, Seattle at home. No, that, that, that's fair. It's kind of funny because I have a similar pick for my first one. I'm taking Carolina plus three. Vegas is favored in this. They're coming to Carolina it's a funky game, and I almost wanted to stay away from it. But you mentioned taking the points, which is kind of why I like Carolina here. I feel like this should be closer, should be less than a field goal. I It's almost a defensive pick because it feels like Vegas might try to, you know, it, it feels like a Vegas field goal could be the difference there. It goes to overtime. Who the hell knows with Teddy Bridgewater, how he's starting, with all those different wide receivers. But I feel like the one thing we've heard consistently throughout all of this is different guys connecting with their players and you also can't discount Christian McCaffrey just yeah. being the difference maker. So I feel like Carolina is almost a layup here, but who knows? Vegas could come out firing. We thought that a few years ago, the year it actually might have been four years ago, the last election year, when Derek Carr comes out firing as this unreal MVP type of candidate and they I think they were in New Orleans. It was another NFC South team. It was either New Orleans or Atlanta. 
and they won. They won in overtime. So it, that could be the difference maker, but I like Carolina plus three here for my first pick. And my second one, uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go Green Bay plus two and a half against Minnesota. Ooh. I feel like there's a lot of talk on just that Green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers is all upset that they took Jordan Love. That they they don't know what they're doing. They've been shaking their last couple week their last couple week one games. Minnesota, I feel like there's a lot of we've been here before with it, and I feel like I could be dead wrong. Minnesota could win this game by two touchdowns, but I I don't know. It's, it's another thing where where Vegas doesn't totally know, and I think Aaron Rodgers is something to prove. So I'm gonna go Green Bay plus two and a half. Take a couple points there. I don't mind that pick. I'm staying away from NFC North. Like I'm, I'm not touching the Bears yeah, yeah, Lions. Yeah, yeah. I was that was the other one. The Bears Lions. I like, jumped out to me, and I was like, "Wait, hold on, hold the fuck on." I'm not, I'm not betting on either of those teams. Because yeah, I mean, I almost want to go with the exact. I'm not going to. This is just my hypothetical pick. But but Chicago with the points, right? It's the same exact pick as the Packers. Where, you know, are, are they? This game is going to be so tight. If you want to give me that extra, I, I feel like if you threw $1,000 on the Packers to win and another $1,000 on the Bears to win, you're going to come out making money. Like yeah. both those teams yeah. won't lose. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You're going to get a, you know, you're only making a hundred bucks probably, but 200 bucks. But, um, you know, I don't think they, they both lose. I think they're, they're pick them games and to give me three points is nice. Um, so up for my official pick, and this is going back to my strategy with, uh, and I think I already gave it away a little bit earlier. I I am not a Joe Burrow believer, to let everybody okay. know. I, I'm not. I think he had a lot of weapons. I think Joe Brady was an unbelievable passing coordinator. I've never heard of that before, but he did a great job. Um, I'm taking the Chargers minus three at Cincinnati. Uh, I think that under over might be pretty tight too at 43 and a half, but <clears throat> I will be taking LA. I, I don't care uh, about what, who's starting a quarterback for them. Their, their defense is too good. Uh, you know, they have a, a number one running back now and Eckler, they're not trying to split carries or have that drama or anything That's like really that. Good point. And honestly, I think the charger it's addition by subtraction, getting rid of Phillip rivers, not a Phillip rivers fan either. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's – is he a debatable Hall of Famer? But, you know, he, he made some bad decisions last year. So I'm, I'm all in on the Chargers there. They were they could have been my first pick. But uh, for my second pick here, I'm going to go with the hype. I'm, I'm taking Cleveland plus eight. A lot yes. of things you could say. Go the OBJ <laughs> yes. route. You could, go, you could go, you know, Miles Garrett's back from suspension going to throw himself you know there's a lot of routes you could go here joke wise but really we're talking about an afc who is this afc north game yeah afc north and uh they're always tight so eight points seems like they could cover uh this could be a touchdown or less game i actually really like that pick so i got uh i have a couple in my back pocket here that I have to uh, decide which two I want to take. And you're going to hate this first one. 
But Sunday Night Football, the Cowboys, allegedly America's no. team, going to the new stadium. The Rams, who... You know, they make a lot of these hype moves, and I don't believe it. I want to reverse jinx it. I want to pull the Matty D. Actually, no, Matty D always picks against them, and they always end up winning. So I hope that I'm pulling the Matty D and picking the Dallas Cowboys as a three-point favorite. I hope it reverse jinxes them, but I really don't believe in the Rams. Every single year, I look at what they think, even over under 51.5. I can see the Cowboys putting up their share of it, but... Maybe the Rams, maybe week one when nobody's hurt, all this sort of stuff. But both, again, both defenses are supposed to be incredible. Why are you at a 51 and a point half spread? I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. I feel like this might be a highly contested game. I feel like it could push. Could be a last minute thing. Could go to overtime. But I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Think that what they're doing and the different guys they have See if CeeDee Lamb has an, has a rookie coming out party for the ages. But Cowboys in the first game. Second game, Jake. I, man, I hate to do it. But I'm going with the Saints minus three against Tom Brady and the Bucks. I want to see them put this up. And granted, two years ago, I had this as my lock of the week for Survivor football. You, know, you lose and you're out. And Matthew Fitzpatrick proved everybody wrong with the Bucks coming in. There were 14-point underdogs. I feel like this is a very similar pick that could be dead wrong. Because really, we don't know what the fuck Brady did in terms of illegal workouts with the Bucks. But I don't like their defense. <laughs> I don't care what the Alvin Kamara drama. If he doesn't end up playing, they have guys behind him. They have weapons for Drew Brees to, to fully utilize whether it's Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, or otherwise, I'm going with the Saints minus three. I like that pick. I like that pick. They were a little further down on my board, but I did have the Saints. I just want to go back to that Cowboys pick. Like you just said, there there are three games in the NFL. Uh, sorry, you know, excluding the Chiefs, who always put up points or at 54 and a half. The next highest is the Dallas Cowboys against the L.A. Rams. And I'm sorry, the L.A. Rams, I'm going to go back to it, just lost one of their biggest weapons in Todd Gurley. Yep. So how? what is the score of this game projected to be? 27-24. Yeah. Tw- 20, yeah, 28-24 is what you're thinking? You're throwing that out 28, there? 28-24. 28-24. So to give so the over. To give it the over, that would that's that was what you'd need to hit the over. I, I don't see the LA Rams putting up twenty four points in the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think so either. So I will I will take the under as uh, my under over lock of the week. Oh, I love that it. Was, uh, that's that's perfect. Uh, Fifty one and a half. Uh, but for my actual next two picks, and this is my I, I truly think this is my lock of the week. Somebody tell me why. Everybody, everybody's so hyped about Denver. The, the fucking Tennessee is a great team. I'm glad you're saying this. There, there's 5,000 people that are going to be at Denver Stadium. Oh, talk about a home field advantage. We're, we're you know, up high. We, you know, balls float. 
they are going to pound the ball. Denver's defense is a nice, fast, light defense, great pass coverage. <laughs> it doesn't matter against them. The Titans are going to fucking run them over. I'm glad you're saying this because I thought this was ridiculous that it is that close of a game. Tennessee's only a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and maybe it's the home field advantage you're saying. Neutral site, they're, oh, point-and-a-half favorite, which seems ridiculous to me. You're thinking Drew Locke against that defense that was able to, like, make – it was able to make the Chiefs stall for a minute in terms of any in, in terms of any sort of offense. Maybe you're thinking Tennessee doesn't come out strong, but I don't know what the fuck you're thinking. I don't know. I, that's a really good pick. I love that idea. Tennessee minus two and a half seems almost like easy pickings. And then you even go down to one and a half, which I'm seeing now. Depends well, what, what you site have? you're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my side is two and a half. I'm seeing one and a half, two and a half. I mean, depends where you're moving, but I'll, I'll take anything under three there. Sure, that could be. I don't think it'll be decided by a field goal, but I will still take it. Uh, and I get my next pick here. I'm going to go a little bit further down the board and I'm going to take Houston plus nine against Kansas city. Crazy pick. I know, I know, but like I said, the first week of the NFL, give me the points. If there's nine points, give me, I'll take all of them. I actually like that a lot. That game is on my board. Couldn't figure out one way or the other. I hate the over on that. I normally love betting overs, but we've seen the last couple of years where whether it's Packers Bears last year, which you wanted an over, you wanted the Bears to come out and look great, and all that. It was a snooze fest. It was a snooze fest. Every single one of these things, even the Chiefs Patriots a couple of years ago, I think that even ended up hitting the over. But like, what was it? Cream Hunt never fumbled in college. Fumbles on his first play. These games end up being. That's snooze fest. So I actually like that pick a that lot. Was, I just that was when Alex Smith tore up the Pats, right? You're exactly right. He tore up the Pats, and then at the end of the year, Patrick Mahomes had it. I forget who let off the season two years ago, but so that was three years ago that he did that. Um, but yeah, no, no, no I, I usually love the closer thought idea. You had it too with Denver and. And Carolina, when Cam Newton got leveled by the by the Denver defense, and fucking who was it? Who was the Northwestern guy that started for him? Ends up being a way closer game than you thought it was, and you thought he was Trevor Simeon. You thought he was going to be this. He was going to roll over, and this family roll over and let him rub his belly and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. I think it's going to be a lot closer of a game than we think. It's going almost a lock for the under. That was a you said that for Dallas and, and and L.A. But I feel like it's a lock for this game too. Under fifty four and a half. I hate betting under, so I'm not actually going to put money on it. But love that thought. So we're we're getting to the end of this. I got to find a fifth game. I'm not betting on the Eagles. Minus six <laughs> when they were. I talked about Syracuse being an against the spread darling. The Eagles were the exact opposite of that. There is a reason why the un- why the over under line for this is forty two and a half, and that is because it is very much tilted towards Washington's favor to lose by like four, three, four or five points 
I don't want to take the Redskins, though, because every time... Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I don't want to take the Washington (laughs) football team because every time I took the team the Eagles were playing plus something, the Eagles blew them out. And as much as I want to do that and reverse jinx the Eagles, I'm not going to do that. The other game... That leaves me in a weird spot, though, because we have Indianapolis versus Jacksonville. Another game with a weird over-under, 44.5. Indianapolis plus... Or minus 7... Against a Jacksonville team that just let Leonard Fournette walk. They just cut him. Phillip Rivers in a new team. Is this the T.Y. Hilton breakout season? I want to see that before I put any money on it. Arizona-San Francisco. Minus seven to, to San Francisco. Is this the, the great Kyler Murray experiment where he breaks out? I don't really want to figure that out. And that leaves me, Jake, to your Giants playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two teams I don't really care about. I hate the Giants more than I hate the Steelers. But it's minus five on Monday Night Football. And minus five is an interesting number. And as much as I want to think that there's going to be some competitive football, at least with the Giants towards the Eagles and the NFC East, I have to go with the Steelers here. Thinking that we all are worried about what the Steelers' health looks like, mainly that of Ben Roethlisberger's. James Conner's been banged up a little bit, but I think he's trustworthy enough. But then they have receivers and they have tight ends that are able to get the job done. And as great as Saquon is, and as close as he wants to make it seem, and I think that over-under is almost a lock to hit the over at 47.5, I do think the Steelers probably win this by a touchdown, maybe 10 points. So I'm going to go Steelers minus five. Giants win by 30. But, there you go. Um, there you go. I love we'll it. see. We'll see. Love to see the jinx. The Jordy jinx would be great. Oh, Jake, <sighs> as you know from listening last year, I don't do well at this. So if you <laughs> at home want to make some money, bet the opposite of me. I thought something was a lock to be an over. Bet the under. Although I don't know why you want to bet against fun. But all these against the spread, against the spread bets, bet the opposite, and you'll do well. And you can take that to the. See, I don't don't love that because I already have my money in for Syracuse. Uh, <laughs> one that really, really agreed on. Um, and, and and the college and the I fact do well that you love the NFL I do terribly in. So the so fact that you love my Tennessee pick is uh, making me waver now. Yeah, not good. Um, not good for you. Not not good. Yeah, I I still I'm a believer in. Uh, there's a few games here where I would you know put the. I don't know why I had Atlanta at the first one. Now that I'm looking back, I really do like the Chargers pick. Um, Atlanta's I, I an interesting one because last year they were so bad against the spread, so bad. and they were so they bad were so overall. Bad. Um, I think you're right though of. Of you don't know what Seattle looks like coming out of this. They their defense they they bolstered up there, but who the hell knows? Atlanta was so bad offensively, except against the Eagles in week two, that who the hell knows? Did they come out firing? It's the exact opposite of it. Like two thousand fifteen, remember they were like six and zero, and then all of a sudden they lose on Thursday night football and they showed vulnerability and ended up finishing like eight and eight or something like that. The first Dan Quinn season. Um so, 
who know who knows how they come out? It's a one o'clock game. We don't really know yet with Seattle. They're well coached, obviously, with Pete Carroll. They traveled well last year. But is that a hype thing of their de- they added to their defense? They got Jamal Adams. Is that a is that the big pick? So I I I like seeing the points. It could be something there's enough times now with it with the two points versus the forty yard one point field goal that teams go for it and Seattle gets creative that way, that you could get a weird point literal point spread that the betting spread becomes very much in play. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a it's a wild card. That's a that's a toss up. Um toss up kind of toss up kind of year. Can we say that? If yeah. you look at just just this entire year is is probably going to be bonkers. I mean, if you know, I, I mentioned I don't know much baseball, but just to throw this this uh, crazy stat out there, the Toronto Blue Jays are in the playoffs and probably will make the playoffs. I'm sorry, what? So I feel like well, you you're going to see that in the baseball NFL. Baseball is doing the playoffs, right? Oh, a ton of teams are making the playoffs. Yeah, right. Second place is locked in. First place, obviously, like normal, is locked in. Second place is locked in, regardless of if you're worse than another team. So, like, the Minnesota Twins currently are 27 and 18. Toronto is 24 and 18. But Toronto is locked in as as a second-place team. Or even better, both teams are above 500. The Houston Astros are 21 and 21. Both teams have better records than Houston. But Houston is locked in as the the second-place team in the AL West. So they're in. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited for the entire NFL season to begin. Uh, I'm excited for, how do you think I'm excited for football? How do you think the expanded playoffs play into what's already going to be a wacky year with COVID? Is it, it's going to make me watch more, more baseball. I'll say that. Oh, I meant the expanded playoffs mm-hmm. for, for football. Oh, for football, how they how they change? Well, both are expanded, I guess. Um, yeah, I now, mean, for those that don't know, there's now seven teams per conference. There's only one by team, and that's the home field advantage team that that uh, gets a buy. I I think what you're going to see is is a you know similar to the NHL. You're going to have, I mean, what the Kings won years ago at the eight seed. Yeah, maybe won a couple times. Seed. I think but, the sec- no, the second the, time they were like the four, they were like the three seed or something. Three seed. Well, it was but, weird. You know, it was weird because the second time the Kings won was the new the new format, the division, the within division format. Yeah. Okay. So they probably still had a tough matchup if they weren't uh, the first seed. In yeah, that, they had to play the Blackhawks in the Western Conference Finals in the middle of the Blackhawks dynasty. Right. Yeah, there you go, and they and they got past them. So I guess what I'm saying is, I think a low seed is going to win it this year. Somebody maybe gets hot at the end. Uh, there could be, you know, a top seed that that has maybe some COVID uh, holdouts or or whatever you want to call them. Um, this could be a opt outs. Thank you. This could be a wacky year, and you'll see a, a five, six, or seven seed actually do some damage. And what's you know the most important thing besides that that bye week. Uh, is home field advantage in the NFL. Absolutely huge to have your home crowd behind you, not having to travel, blah, blah, blah. Take that out. 
take out the the home field advantage really yeah it really is taking completely out i know some teams are going to have fans in the stadiums i don't think that means that the miami dolphins are now a playoff threat because they have 20 percent capacity and the patriots and bills don't you know uh it's gonna be no but i think in the if you look at the playoffs i think i think you're right in the playoffs it certainly does not we saw it last year where it did not the Titans took out both the Patriots and the seemingly juggernaut Ravens in the playoffs when they had fans there. So you're well coached enough. You're defensive enough. I think that I think def- defenses are going to have a huge advantage. View of a solid defensive core, which we were just talking anti Seahawks, but I think long term the Seahawks, as the season gets going, as the ball keeps rolling and the snowball gets bigger. That's just more and more to their advantage, and plus they have a you know they have Russell Wilson, he knows how to get things done and, and how to be creative. So maybe that that helps him figure it out. That NFC West is so so interesting. It is. It is. I I'm very interested to see what the Rams do. I know. I mean, all of those teams. Arizona second year for Kyler. Um, you know he has a new weapon in Hopkins. This could be a very interesting season. That's a very good point. The NFC West is going to be fun to watch. Uh, and thankfully, the games aren't on at 1030 like they are in the NHL playoffs. Uh, to watch the Vancouver Canucks play was was a 1030 start. So feel bad for Canadians or Canadians. Well, any hockey fan that likes to watch wide open hockey, watch the Vancouver Canucks play. But, uh, you know, better set your alarm. No, that's a really good point, too. And. Do you want to just roll right into the NHL now? Uh, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up the the NFL, or do you have yeah. thoughts on the Giants coming into it, or do you want to just roll right into uh, to hockey? I, I my one comment about the, about the Giants is I think Daniel Jones is going to step up this year, uh, and I think I don't think it goes. You know, I think the Eagles and Cowboys are interchangeable at number one, but I don't think it's. I think the Giants do better than everybody thinks. You know, I would take their over on the wins. It's at what six and a half or five and a half right now. Uh, that's a really good point. There's some lower over under win teams that are ripe for the picking, and the Giants could be one that, if you find the right odds in a betting book, that you might make some serious money off of that. Yeah, and who knows? They got a new coach, second year quarterback. Uh, Saquon's legs are as big as ever. They have a they they can surprise some people. So yeah. I know they have. You know, they start with the Steelers. Count that as a loss. Uh, so you can win your bet. But uh, I, I think that I'm optimistic about the Giants. But I'm like this pretty much every year. So not a great look. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So yeah, let's let's Jump yeah let's roll in. Perfect. So perfect. So we're basically two games in. But the actually we are two games into the Western Conference Final because that has gone has gone final for the West. The Golden Knights have tied it up at one one. Three one or three nothing win tonight after a one nothing loss in game one. And Jake, I thought this was gonna be a deeper series, and after game one seeing what Dallas did, how defensive they had been versus you know, how they had been throughout the regular season versus how offensive they had looked through the playoffs. 
It looked like they went back to basics to try to shut down Vegas. And now through game two, I haven't seen the highlights yet. I saw a little bit of it before we jumped on the air. It seems like Vegas is back to business there. Robin Leonard, he had how many saves? Uh, Yahoo. Again, Yahoo coming up short here. Uh, Leonard had 24 saves, 24 saves shut out. A, that trade, as we, Greg and I have talked about a ton in the various playoff previews, they certainly did very well with that, of getting that from the Blackhawks. But B, their offense clicking again and, and showing some depth and getting some guys involved in their deeper lines, not just the Stastny Carlsons that scored two, but they had no six score as well. So kind of showing their, their extra lines that they had been able to show in the last couple of years. I still like Vegas. I would have said in six. I'm probably going to say in seven now because Dallas has shown that they can make the, the Golden Knights bleed a little bit, but I like Vegas in this. It's tough to disagree with the Vegas pick. Um, the only thing I I could say is, you know, A, it's hockey. You never know. Um, but I'm still a little shaky on Vegas's power play. One yes, for six tonight. That's a really good point. Well, one for six tonight. You know they're probably going to have to give Flurry another game, or his agent's going to go on a tirade. Uh, I, I think this goes seven, and then it's a coin flip from there. But it's tough to to not say. That's me just being the devil's advocate. I, I, I think Vegas could very well win this in six. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's a very good point with the power play, and I don't know if it's something that that. Dallas had to go through offensive juggernauts in Calgary and Colorado to now come to a Vegas team that, that kind of has everything, a good goalie, very good defenseman that can both play defensively and offensively, and a, at least a top six, if not top nine, maybe even all four lines. That can be offensive just as much as, well, Colorado's top line notwithstanding, but can be that offensive. It's crazy to think that they're now they went through the right test to now show up to Vegas. So I love the idea for seven. I don't, it's just hard to think that they're, they're going to lose this. But I thought the same thing with Dallas going into the the Colorado series, and they go up two nothing. And yeah, it's. I mean, they went up three one on on Colorado, a team that looked unstoppable up to that point. So if they go out and win game three. I mean, it's not crazy to think maybe they figure out a way to just shut down the right players. I mean, Heiskanen looks incredible. And they have the the veterans in their depth, To Dallas does, to have those kind of classic, like, the, like not to, to go over to basketball. There was, when the Sixers played the Heat a couple years ago, there was a couple of those classic Dwayne Wade games, and one specifically that the Heat ended up winning. And it's not crazy to think that a classic Corey Perry, a classic Joe Pavelski game comes out of nowhere. And one of them puts up three points and we're thinking, oh my God, look at this with Dallas. And that's what ends up either making this go to seven or gives them a three, two lead in this series. I could see it. I could see it. It's not a, it's such an unpredictable series. Uh, honestly, Colorado was my pick to, to do some damage. Oh yeah, I had money on um, to win the Stanley Cup, so I'm bummed they're out. <laughs> so I, I thought they were the best team in the NHL. 
Um, but Vegas is certainly formidable. They obviously have a very well-built team. Um, you know, we're going to have to do another one of these regarding Seattle's team because I'm, I'm very interested to see how they built that. When you look at every other expansion team was terrible, awful for so long. And I understand the draft rules have changed. They've, they've loosened up a bit, but what Vegas has done these past few years is, is honestly nothing short of magical. They have, they built a solid team from the back out and now they have two backstops that are interchangeable. I'm excited. I'm excited. I think the only sad part about Vegas, if they, you know, do win a Stanley cup or even get into the finals, you gotta like that atmosphere was awesome. And not to have the fans there uh, is tough. That's a really good point. And it's interesting that not interesting. It's a bummer that they didn't, come up with some sort of way to export the like even like a light show to to Edmonton to like give them that that sort of thing I don't know if that that affects the players in terms of it but it would be cool to see on TV <laughs> I, I I wouldn't mind I mean they could do something like something, that they yeah. have probably something something would be great have you gotten out to a game yet out to Vegas to watch them yet? No, I want to really badly though. They um, the first time the Flyers were there, I think was uh no, never mind. That wasn't the same year I ran the Phoenix Marathon. I was about to say it was the same weekend I ran it. Um, I don't know when the first year, but the second year was like the opening week of the season, and we were Emily and I went on a vacation, so we couldn't go then. And then this year, I think it was like over Christmas or something. So I haven't been out there. I know some people that have that said it's incredible. Uh, it's kind of a mixed a mixed bag of who you find at games in terms of fans there, which I guess is to be expected within the first couple years of an expansion team, especially in a touristy town. But uh, I think they have that well of a fan base that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think they built a. That's a great point. There, there are just some. <laughs> some different people at those games, um, you know, but they've, they've rallied around them and uh, it was cool to see them in the finals in their first year. And I think that the following has only grown since then. You can't oh, have yeah. this good of a team. Can't have this good of a team and just give up on them or anything like that. I know everybody flyers fans were, were hurting uh, because we've waited for so long in this team's first year in the league, but they supported them. They had, an amazing atmosphere. Well, that's um, the other thing. So it's, it, is that didn't they have? It was either in the coast or another one of those, you know, lower tiered minor leagues. Didn't they have a team that they supported the shit out of, and that's part of why they got an NHL team, not just because of the tourist and the experiment to go to Las Vegas to see what a, a major four sports team. I mean, major five. You want to include the MLS, but didn't they had a, a lower tiered minor league yeah. team that they loved. And that's part of why they chose. Yeah. They had an ECHL team. It was a coast I believe okay. it was a coast team. I actually got to watch a game in that rink. And um, yeah, I mean, if, if hockey works there, why couldn't uh, I think football is going to do very well there. It's only a matter of time until basketball wises up and says, well, you know, we can, I think <laughs> they're probably get a pretty too. I think the NBA, yeah. the NHL is going to 32. Not that, like, I don't want to propel the NHL NBA 
rivalry that so many people are like, oh, well, if I like this league, fuck that league. But it's crazy to think that the NBA wouldn't think, well, they went to Vegas, why can't we? Whether it's, I don't know who they'd move. And because I can't think of who they'd move, me loving expansion teams, that they'd want to expand there and then, like, put a team somewhere else. I'm trying to think of a city off the top of my head. Whether it's they try Vancouver again, or they just give a team to Seattle. They give the, they bring back the Supersonics, whatever the NBA wants to do. And if they bring back the Supersonics, it almost seems like Vegas is the layup. The the WNBA is doing incredible there. So You think they just know. copy what the, whatever the NHL is doing? They go to Vegas next, and then, I don't know, we'll do a team in Seattle. We'll, well I think Seattle, the, so it's it's awesome that Seattle is coming for a hockey team. I'm, I guess technically coming back because they were the first American-based team to win the, the Stanley Cup. But I think that, I think also, and maybe it is just that it's the hockey fan in me, I think they should move the Memphis Grizzlies to Nashville and just conglomerate them with the Predators and with the Titans with how well both of those teams are doing, especially if the MLS team does really well there. I think the NBA should should really think about doing that. I think the Grizzlies do really well in Memphis, so it'd be kind of suck to be like, well, screw you, Memphis, because Memphis is a great town. Went there, buddy of mine from college lived there for a couple of years. Visited one weekend, and it's awesome. But I, you know, I don't know. It's it's also like the reverse. I think like for the longest time until the Hurricanes became good again, I thought they should flip the Checkers, and the Checkers should be in Raleigh, and the NHL team should be in Charlotte because the Hornets do well, the Panthers do well, their AAA baseball team seemingly does very well, but. You know, I I'm more of a fan of of having teams all together across the major sports than than not. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with the Carolina one. I didn't know that for the longest time that uh, that they were there. I also find it interesting that they're just the Carolina Hurricanes, like one of the only teams without a state in front of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know why <laughs> they're you know why they're not. red and black. Something with the flags. So. They moved from Hartford. They're green and blue. They moved to Raleigh. Yeah. Do you know what college is in Raleigh? To North Carolina State? NC State. They changed their colors to red and black because they were sharing a stadium as the NC State Wolfpack basketball team. And they still do. Ah, I never knew that. Yeah, that's why. I never knew that. And they realized that was also the, the colors of the hurricane flag for nautical shit so that's why they're the hurricanes i bet you they realized that after like oh shit that's a great coincidence <laughs> probably uh although when they bring back the hurricane or the uh the whalers jerseys those are pretty awesome they're amazing they're they are amazing, amazing. It's, those it's are tough the because those might be the those are the kachinas i love those in, in arizona yeah yeah those were great when they first came in those are well, great. they bring them back. They're the alternate jersey. We just but, didn't see them when we were out there for your bachelor party. I wonder, what do you think about one of the next teams in the NHL? You said they're at, we're at 31. Uh, 32 Seattle's 32, Seattle. correct? Yeah. I still think, I, I love, obviously, we're big Arizona fans. We love Phoenix. Um, we I personally would blast. love to. <laughs> it was a blast. And that stadium is pretty cool. Uh, their fans were actually, it was pretty packed, but they're pretty passionate out there. We had the, uh, the coyote girl in front of us who was just being <laughs> at the, the, the coyote girl. 
the entire the entire time just I going those nuts. Those hockey players that uh, are throwing yeah. fucking popcorn at us. Uh, I was too hungover to yeah, we uh, to yeah, register a lot, but I yeah. I, I remember the Coyote Girl the most. I truly think they should go. They. They should go back to Quebec. They should go back, bring the Nordiques back. Some of the best jerseys the NHL has ever seen is those classic, oh, those Nordique jerseys were so good. You look back, the baby powder blue that's always coming back. Now everybody wants to be like an 80s retro. Yes. Those are 80s retro. Joe Sackick in a Nordiques jersey is just unbelievable. Or, or, speaking of classic Nordiques players, Matt Sundin, he was a Nordique. Ah, there yeah. you go. They traded him to Toronto. What? Yeah. What was the a... question? Was was Patrick Waugh ever on the Nordiques, or it was only when they moved to Colorado? That's actually a really good question, because he either got traded right before they moved, because they win the Stanley Cup, and then when did they move to Colorado? They, they won their first year, so they won in 1996, so they moved in 95. He might have been in Nordique for like yeah, a hot was... second and then got traded to Colorado. I'm going to use the wonderful internet for this one. Yeah. So I talk a lot about the trade tree videos I watched, Jake. I've watched a lot of Sportsnet YouTube while I was, uh, well, the hockey mm-hmm. was on hiatus. The trade trees that are on there, there's one that is the Eric Lindros trade tree, and Patrick Waugh is a part of that, as is. Not Joe Sackick, but um, Matt Sundin, I think, is a part of it. As is, though, and Eric Lindros, that that trade happened with the Flyers in 1992. You know who's a part of it? And it's well removed from 1992. Ray Bork is a part of that trade tree. How? You need to watch this thing. It's a 45-minute YouTube video. All the different assets that just trickle down, that the Colorado Avalanche kept moving and shit. Eventually, what they used to acquire Ray Bork from the Boston Bruins started from the Flyers trading a billion fucking things. Sorry, that might might cut out for a second. To the fucking Quebec Nordiques. Uh, I I will dive deep into that rabbit hole to see why we gave Colorado a cup. We gave them not one. We gave but them that, two Stanley Cups. Two Stanley Cups. Yeah. But but didn't you hate more like when we were growing up? It was tough to hate the Avalanche. You had to hate the Red Wings. Yeah. I oh, you fucking the despised the Red Wings. Wings. Sergey Fedorov. So when Colorado was Brendan Shanahan, yeah, all those assholes. Chris Osgood is not a good goalie. Like you, nobody can convince me he's a good goalie. No, nobody can convince you that. Like Chris, Ch- Chris Chelios is is a. Uh, it's oh, great. All, all Dominic Hasek, when he finally went to Detroit, I was like, oh good, they have a goalie now. Fuck Chris Osgood. Yeah, they just want to, they just want a cup right there. Um, but you know, so it was kind of satisfying to watch Colorado, uh, like beat Detroit. That was that was the only oh, yeah. you know, that was a great rivalry. It was an awesome. That was fun to watch. Yeah. Always always good to watch that. Um but there you know, if you go back to it, like this is a this is a 
the NHL has a lot of places they can go. They can go to Quebec. They can, uh, I, I, you know, they obviously already went back to Winnipeg. Like cities like that that miss their NHL teams. Um, like I want to see has Seattle already. Are they going to sell out though? Like, are they going to go absolutely crazy? Well, it seems like they did. do in every other sport. They did. I mean, they sold all their their season tickets before they even officially had an NHL team. There you go. And I mean, the I ones hope, that are. I hope for them that they're good. I think the fact that they're a northern based team is good. Like, if they decided to like try to expand to Kansas City and not wait until Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin uh, retire and the Penguins, you know, inevitably stop selling out their stadium. Sorry, I had to throw it out there. I don't know if Jared's listening or not, but I had to throw it out there. Um, but if they ex- decided to expand to Kansas City, I don't know if that would work out. Or Houston. Houston's another one that gets thrown out a ton. They decide to expand there. I don't know if that works out immediately, if it's something that only works out because they're immediately successful, like a Dallas who in 25 years being there has been successful for throughout the years because they had a good the good bones from the North Stars and all that sort of stuff. I don't know what the answer is. So that brings up brings you to another rabbit hole. Do you think in call it 20 years when Pittsburgh doesn't have the only reason that Pittsburgh still has a team is because of Sidney Crosby. They oh, yeah. won that lottery. They have Mario Lemieux come back. Um, I believe he was battling cancer, and he came back. And well, it was came back. magical. That it just comes. Yeah, he beat cancer. Yeah. He comes back. The Flyers yeah. fans all applaud him. He scores like two goals, and then he buys yeah, he part scores. of the team after after he retires. That's why he the yep. Penguins they stayed. They draft. They and, get. They win the lottery. They got Crosby. Well, they yeah, win the lottery and then Crosby. Mario Lemieux buys part of the team. Oh, that's why. It, okay. Well, uh, what I'm saying is, that you know, Crosby's gone. They're they're built. I, I couldn't name a young player on their team right now. I honestly couldn't. Besides their their goalie Matt Murray, who they they might even move. Um, but 20 years from now, is that really a hockey city? You know, they were about to leave in the 90s or in, uh, I guess, early 2000s. Could they potentially go somewhere a little more? I, You know, you, you got to think about it. You got to think, are there other teams? Honestly, I'm in Toronto. They could definitely support two teams. I was going to ask, is, if, Toron- if is, New York- is Hamilton slash another Toronto team, is that doable? 3,000%. Wow, I, I I've never seen anything like it up here. Wow. Um, you know the the number of people that this is a this is a hockey city a uh, hundred and and eighty percent, right? The the Toronto Raptors had a great parade. You know they love their their basketball up here, but it doesn't even compare. Uh, Jordy, from your house, your house. Um, uh, on on the main line, my mom's house. Your mom's house, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So your mom's house. Still count on my house. Back. Okay. <laughs> you you drive you drive twenty minutes in any direction. How many hockey rinks do you hit? Not a lot. I' pretty sure twenty minutes in any direction, and I'm I'm closer to the water, so that takes out the south to me. 
I could find upwards of 40, 40, no, no, probably maybe around 30 rinks, 25 or 30 rinks. They have rinks in libraries here. They have rinks in parks. Wow. There's, it's incredible. They absolutely love their hockey. I mean, if the OHL is still a thing and they make a ton of money from, from that, why couldn't you have another pro team? Wow. That's all. So you're saying it could be anywhere. It could be downtown. It could be in the suburbs. It could be wherever that that team is going to do well. That team will do well. The only team that doesn't want them to do well are the Toronto Maple Maple Leafs. Leafs, Yeah. Because I call them the leaves and they don't love (laughs) the V. (laughs) People get pissed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just (laughs) trying to use correct grammar. But if, if, you know, the resale tickets here, how much are tickets uh, for people that don't know our tickets were about, Yes, they were bought by an NHL player, but there was still about $40 a ticket uh, in the upper bowl. That same ticket in Toronto is $160. Yeah. The upper bowl, you can't even see the game, is $160 or something like that. I think that was even with a discount. So if you're talking lower bowl seats, you're talking $500 a pop. That's uh, insane. Um, you know what I mean? Like there, there is <laughs> economic room here. Uh, there's not just 20,000 diehard hockey fans here. That is incredible. Wow. I so mean, the only team that doesn't really want them to move a team up here are the Toronto Maple Leafs. And what, they have a Maple Leafs. And what, they have that much power within the NHL to say, fuck it. Uh, you would you would think, right? The Hockey Hall of Fame is here. The, the league office is here, right? Um, where's the New York? I believe it's in Toronto. Um, I mean, that's yeah, where I mean, the there's Play a center is they always send it to Toronto. Yeah, send it to Toronto. So you would think, um, you know, it's a where else in the U.S. They could don't they send it. Could they send an expansion city though? Like Vermont, New Hampshire, Milwaukee, like. It's it's tough. You would honestly have to go. I true. I think Quebec is a Quebec a good is, way is to an go. Easy one, yeah. Um, another team in Toronto is a good way to go. Um, you know, we've seen. It almost like, has who, to be I, in Canada, at, right? Yeah, but then again, teams like Ottawa don't get a great following, um, mainly because they're. You could probably have two teams in Montreal. That's also a crazy city. Um, but Ottawa built their stadium about. 45 minutes away from uh, anybody else, you know, from, from the city. So it's not really an Ottawa team. Interesting. It, it's, it's an interesting question. I'm more interested in who is, because you can't keep expanding forever. We're not looking 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road and say, well, the NHL is their 41st team. It's, you know, they're going to have to start moving some of these guys. Does Buffalo really need a team? Do they have, you know, the, the economics for it. As well, I was going to ask, economic- is but like Buffalo with a second, a ter- second Toronto team. How does that affect it? Uh, well, that's another team, right? If you take somebody from Hamilton, Hamilton, I wouldn't say is halfway between Buffalo and Toronto, but it's close enough. If, if you put a team in Hamilton, anybody who is thinking about going to a Sabres game, you know, it's right over the border. They might be cheaper tickets than the Leafs, blah, 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 uh, is going to go up to Hamilton. So two teams now don't want Hamilton to have a team. The Toronto Maple Leafs, 
and the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Another team, by the way, that we have to hate. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see what some of these teams end up doing. Like Florida continuously seems to be like right on the cusp of doing well, but financially I'm not sure what the hell they're doing. Tampa, I mean, Tampa's right in there. We didn't even talk about them playing the Islanders, but they're right in there and they're always a competitor. So they're successful, but Atlanta, Atlanta's had two different teams. It's moved to Canada. So who the hell knows who's so going to happen with all this stuff? Don't try it again. And I mean, we can, we can probably go over the, uh, the Tampa Islanders series. I just really need two words. Uh, in my mind, it's just Tampa Bay. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a long series. I think that despite it being 8-2 in the first game, I think the Islanders are going to show, show some bite back. Although the fact that they dummied the crap out of both of their goalies is telling for the for this series. Uh, I still think it's going to probably go six games. I think the Islanders squeak out a game and, and probably a second one. Maybe they squeak out one in a, in a higher scoring affair. You know, Tampa showed some some fault in a couple of those games where Vasilevsky looked vulnerable and mortal. You know, it's not hard to think that if Columbus can win a game, what was it, three or four nothing, that the Islanders can't do it. Maybe that's just me being a bitter Flyers fan, but it's not crazy to think. Yeah, I guess what we're talking about, I, maybe that's my own personal. Uh vendetta coming out against the Islanders. I hope they lose in four straight. And, uh, you know, it is it – you talk about hockey right now, it has one of the main stages, right? Like we, this is a very good opportunity for the NHL, and it has been this – you know, these last few weeks have been a great opportunity to showcase the NHL. They've done a pretty good job, but, but it can't be good for the game to have the New York Islanders in the Stanley Cup Finals – uh, you know, letting up uh, 11 shots, you know, again, that's great hockey. That's awesome. But if you don't know the game, you don't appreciate the way that they play. Um, yeah. People sure. will just shut that. Well, and that's the so. thing is like the Islanders, even within the hockey media get labeled as boring. So it's not like it, it, you're right. It's not great to like, to have this team that isn't, you know, they're not sticking out to the world powers of, you know, to try to market it. It's not, it's not the Rangers. You know, I, I hate to throw that out there and I don't want to throw any sort of other comparisons of cities with two different teams and all that sort of stuff. That's not, this is not meant in any sort of Mets gripe or a Chicago White Sox or LA Angels or, and well, I feel like the Ducks are probably more popular than the Kings, LA Clippers, whatever, you know, second team, second city teams. But there is like, if you're an Islanders fan, you're an Islanders fan, but I don't know. It's just not as you're right. There's the, the marketability of it that, that gets kind of wild, especially not even just the fact that Tampa Bay has been this good for so long, but especially that we come off of, and to use a different sport as an example, Virginia a year ago in the NCAA tournament comes out and wins the title after becoming the first team as a one seed to lose to a 16 seed. They come back and win it. Tampa Bay, while not the same, because you see a lot of the times an eight seed upset a one and not, not go on to win the Stanley Cup, no, the NBA title, no, whatnot. But that was a that was a sweep. It was a and sweep. They were, they were, people were 
from a team that yeah they were uh, from pretty, a historically good yeah. Tampa Bay team. Uh, that, that's what my point though of like Tampa Bay like they have something to fucking prove, and that's that's why I think Tampa Bay is going to win. I just also think, and maybe it's because I want the Flyers to see more legitimate in in their twenty twenty campaign or or what it is. But I just think the Islanders can squeak out something. I think they'll squeak out a game, if not two. So that's why I feel safe enough to say six. Whether or not you want to cop out to seven, or even if it is a cop out. But Tampa Bay looked so fucking good last night. They, every single one of those goals. And really, you just have to look at the first Braden Point goal. Where he dummies out a defender. And then makes Thomas Grice. That stutter step. Yeah, that stutter step. And then Thomas Grice freezes when he comes around the net or doesn't even go around the net, but he comes to the net and fakes as if he's going to go around and completely dummies through him. It's hard to not think that Tampa Bay could pull off something incredible as some sort of death march to a Stanley cup. Absolutely. And you know what the best part is about Tampa Bay right now, they are playing unbelievable their goalie, you're right. He has looked human, but we know that he is unfucking believable. They're missing their best player. What? They're they're missing one of the greatest goal scorers of our generation. Oh yeah, he's not playing right now, and he'll he he's probably back for the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, as sad as that is to to hear for any Vegas fans or, um, or well, I guess you can keep Dallas keep Dallas in there as well. Um, but you know, there there's a there's a chance that he's back and he's ready to go. Uh, and that just adds another element to that team who's already rolling. And if they make the Stanley Cup finals, they're going to be rolling. Uh, their goalie is probably going to be hot. How do you stop him? I don't know. It's it's some way of shaking his confidence because you've seen it happen previously in the playoffs where whether it's Washington that just got on a roll, whether it's last year – the Columbus Blue Jackets, I don't know if it was just them coming back from 3-0 in that first game, and that made Vasilevsky think, what the hell is going on with the guys in front of me? Or if it's a complete team breakdown, which at this point, it almost looks like next man up. And I know that their top guys, Braden Point especially, are are firing on all cylinders. But I've mentioned this before, like Bogosian, a guy they picked up off the waivers, has that Vegas-like mentality of, this team believes in me. No one else did. And I'm going to fucking prove everybody wrong and barrel over people. So whatever they're doing, it is working in Tampa Bay. Absolutely. They have a look at their, their entire team is made up of guys. Maybe not exactly like that, but Braden point was, it wasn't a very high pick. Yep. You know, he has something to prove. Um, Kucherov wasn't a high pick. He's already gotten paid, but he wasn't a very high pick uh, by NHL standards. Uh, Vasilevsky was a, a high pick. He's just a, a freak. Headman, just a freak. Uh, Ryan McDonough, you know, the Rangers didn't want him. They didn't. They, yeah, they traded you know, him away. They, they thought they as could, a throwaway to fucking with, um, with JT Miller. And he was just, you know, see ya. Uh, same thing with, uh, what's it, Sergachev. Yep. I threw him for, for Drew on, Drew in or whatever. Like that was a, that was a win for Tampa Bay. Because Druin was mad, you know, Montreal wanted to bring their Quebecois back to them, and and they overlooked that 
you know, they were trading one of the best young defensemen in the game. Uh, so Tampa Bay continues to have these steals. Uh, sadly, it, you know, thank God Eiserman's gone, but he, he really built this team. And uh, as much as you, you hate the Red Wings from the past, that he did a very good job yes. constructing these guys. I yeah, know we, he's gone. We forgot to mention him when we said who we hated from the Red Wings back in the day. <laughs> you, you know who the, the biggest just piece of shit was? Uh, was Scott McCarthy. I just fucking I hated him. I hated him. He There's had that goatee. list of guys. Yeah. I'm going to look that up right now. Scott McCarthy, give me an image. Well, I'm not buying real estate. A lot of Scott McCarthy's out there. Well, that's good. <laughs> All right, well, Jake, let's uh, let's start to wrap this thing up. Anything else that we got to talk about before uh, we, we send everybody off on their way? That's... That's it for me. If you want to touch on uh, the, the FedEx Cup, I know you wanted to mention that as uh, Dustin just rolled around and and uh, destroyed everybody. So if you want to touch on that, I'll sit back and, and listen for a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so as Jake mentioned, Dustin Johnson won the FedEx Cup. Um, and, yeah, it was – it was a pretty crazy Sunday. You know, We he obviously started out with a lead, never gave it up, all that good stuff. And, I, you know, it wasn't necessarily a coronation because he showed signs of being human, started off red hot, showed some signs of vulnerability in, on the, the end of the front nine, and it made us seem like this back nine was going to be fun, it was going to be exciting, and... Dustin, he showed why he deserved to be the the number one seed or the number one player, whatever you want to call it, coming into first place, getting that un, 10 under score to start off the tournament. Um, he has that shot on 13 where he's he misses the green, chips up, and it's almost like a flubbed chip. Seems like he f- completely fucked it up. Xander Shoffley did the same thing, and... DJ cans it, and before we you know finish up with DJ Xander Shoffley, got to give him all props in the world for how well he did throughout the tournament. Um, you know, all things considered, I don't know how it would have worked comparatively to the outside of the top five. You need to have this, that, and the other thing happen. Maybe D- DJ still wins. Maybe JT ends up winning because of JT ends up two strokes back, but they were tied. So maybe DJ ends up winning, but I'm, you know, this is about Xander Shoffley, you know, good for him of how well he does at East Lake. And that's almost the, we're talking about bets from earlier, but that almost seems like a lock it in now of Xander Shoffley to win next year at East Lake. I don't think that future exists. I don't even think a FedEx Cup future exists, but you almost want to put something in there if he is a top five. Um, but yeah, DJ. He he played consistent golf, and he's a guy who is known for how hard and how far he hits the ball. And it was a place that really rewards you for hitting the fairways, and DJ proved it wrong. It's it's something where he had done so terribly at times, but also looked great, been very inconsistent, to say it in a lot of words. But he showed that not necessarily being consistent on fairways or even hitting greens 
was a way to do it because he 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 proved it wrong and JT got close. It's kind of wacky that he comes in first in the first playoff event, then second, mainly because just because, and then third coming into the Tour Championship because two other guys won the other two events. But you know that that's how it is, and it's good that that golf figured out some way of giving you a more definitive. Here's who wins the FedEx Cup, but. I have my thoughts in terms of whether or not they should lean fully into it being the playoffs, like how a hockey, basketball, baseball, football does, or whether or not to make it a full regular season type of thing, and these just are a way to help accentuate that. But I thought it was awesome. A couple of those shots, if you watched it, are incredible. Um, number 15 at Eastlake is starting to really get the the high play that it should. A lot of people think of number 18 because of the fact that it's this par five that becomes a real go or no go, go depending on how well your drive goes. Uh, so it's good that some of those shots on the back nine are really getting their credit because I think especially with how well, and I mentioned number 13, but number 14, that long par four down the hill, DJ, after seeing JT, who has a pr- almost perfect drive, hit the green in two, DJ, who misses it right and puts it over that bunker, and has the opportunity for a birdie, and he ends up missing it. But how well he did it just shows how well his A-game looks. So, obviously, DJ, DJ's the big winner, but Eastlake, it's been there. The, the Tour Championship's been there forever. But I feel like it's really starting to get its comeuppance in terms of a course that we all appreciate. So I think that's another big winner, too. Uh, we turn right back around. We get the new season. Six majors through it is what they're really pressing. But we get the Safeway Open. U.S. Opens, obviously, next week. But we get a lot of big names at the Safeway this week. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. And it should be a great, great week for golf. But, uh, yeah, Jake, that is, uh, you know, that, that really does it in terms of golf talk there. Yeah, that's, um, it was a it was an interesting season. I think the one thing I would say, I what I like to play and I, what I like, I'd like to watch. And I think it's why the Ryder cup is so like entertaining. I love watching match play. I don't know yeah. why they couldn't do some sort of tournament where it's a, you know, a match play, even nine holes or, or something where they could figure this out. Um, you know, that's why the, you know, the, the Brady Mickelson woods Manning, like it was, it was fun to watch, but it was also because of the format of match play. That's you a really good point. three balls in the river. It's one hole. Yep. That's a really good point because they didn't end up, even end up having the match play tournament, the WGC tournament, because of COVID. You know, it would have been a couple weeks after the players, which was the tournament that was happening when COVID struck and everything else got canceled. Um, and that might be a way to try to figure it out. I feel like in their way of wanting to do the playoffs and all that sort of stuff, they might say, oh, well, it doesn't make sense to – you know, give somebody this big of a lead and they don't get it. And I think that's kind of similar to what I was saying before of whether or not they want to lean one way or the other. Maybe they do a U.S. amateur type of thing where it's like a a seven-day tournament, maybe a little less, six-day tournament, where you do a couple days of stroke play, metal play, and then the top 64 go into a tournament that way. That's a really good point because it would be fun to see something like that. And maybe this was something... You know, I, I, actually, myself, Matt, and Greg all were happy to see the NHL do something a little more out of the ordinary with the qualifying round, and thought maybe the NBA could have done something a little more creative with it, and maybe the 
maybe the PGA Tour could have done that too, and it's something that a lot of people were critical of them. You know, they had the two weeks in a row because the Greenbrier was flooded. Uh, or wasn't flooded, but they decided not to go back there. Um, where they used the memorial, the the Mirfield Village in Ohio. They used it two weeks in a row. And with the first week, the I believe it was Workday, the charity tournament, the week before the memorial, they didn't really do too much to change it. I think one hole became a par four, and the other one was a par five, and that became a par four, and the other one became a par five. And that... You know, that's all they did. They didn't do anything else that was creative and anything that way. So maybe that was a, a way to try to do it. But that's something that definitely could be thought of, of a way to try to make it a little more interesting because top 30 get in. So give DJ and John Rahm, the guys that won the previous two events, a buy, And maybe that's a way that you don't get upsets or I don't know. But that's a really good thought. I just want to see something, something different each year yeah. i thought that back that back to back at Muirfield, a little disappointing as a fan i feel i was like i felt like i watched this before i feel like i i just watched this it was interesting because i thought they were going to absolutely tear up the course the next week at the memorial um yeah at least you yeah, got the, just, the jt colin morikawa playoff which was kind of cool yeah although we didn't was, get to see uh, remember that there was the whole fuck up with there was the rain and they played it too early no i watched it you got to see it. Maybe it was a can. What? Maybe I'm thinking of a different. TSN. There was a TSN. We. There were this whole every single season has really kind of blended together in terms of uh, the post COVID since you know July 15th or whenever. Well, the PGA Tour has been back for longer than then, which is part of why it all blends together, um, especially with how well Colin Morikawa did. But I think that's also a positive. Is like Morikawa did so well. Matthew Wolf did well enough. Victor Hovland did so well. Obviously, Scotty Scheffler shot the 59 a couple weeks ago. And it was an incredible... Mm-hmm. I mean, like, young guys are really coming up strong. And this is something that we had about 10 years ago when Ricky, Jordan Spieth, eventually Justin Thomas, all these different guys, you know, came out of the woodwork and... Not out of the woodwork, but came out of the junior and amateur ranks and are now namestays on the PGA Tour. I know Spieth hasn't done as well as the other guys in the last couple weeks. Or last couple of years, excuse me. But, you know, he's won a number of majors. But it'll be really fun to see how those guys do over the next decade, especially if one, if not many of them, can win a number of major championships. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like how the uh, the younger guys are coming to play. But yeah. So, Jake, I think that's going to do it. Thank you so much for coming on, man. This was... Uh... I'm glad we finally got the reunion on the podcast that the world was desperately needing. Yeah. No, this is what's uh, going to turn COVID around. This is it. <laughs> thank, thank you for having me. Appreciate the reunion here. G-Man, that was a blast. And uh, I'll let you sign us off. Yeah. All right. So everybody make sure you like, share, subscribe to the podcast. The Bullpen Card Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Join the Facebook group Thunder or Thunderblog Sports is the page you can like. But the Bullpen Cart Podcast is the group you need to join, be a part of the conversation. Normally I post up a questions feed. This was more of a last minute thing between me and Jake, so I did not post something there. But I'll post the show notes and all that good stuff. So make sure you join the group. But Jake, thank you again. This was a ton of fun. Cannot wait to do it again. Hopefully get Greg, maybe even Maddie D on. 
But I think that's going to do it. Thank you again, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you, and good night. <laughs> and even though they're st- they're out of it, let's go Flyers. Yeah. Always next year. <laughs>